Slick V on the track. God is calling me. I'm in a zone. I gotta see my doctor. Scott is calling me. What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel is a Sunday night. We are fresh off of a college football Saturday where I think to the to the average to below average fan may have looked a little light, a little light on the low, but a fun day for you and I watching all these games. It was great. Um I will say I'm looking forward to these next couple of weeks where we add in more conferences so that cancellations don't, you know, make such a big deal. Like this week we were robbed of a couple of games that I feel like I really would have wanted to watch like Baylor and Houston would have been fun. Um, you know, stuff like that. I just, it's, it's like if that kind of game gets canceled next weekend after you have as much because you're just trying to catch up all these other games so um I you know I'm I'm definitely I I had a great time but it was it was thin I felt like I didn't have a lot competing with one another at each time slot um and I do like to flip I'm a channel flipper if my game isn't on for my team I flip around you know hey this team's punting flip to the next one you know see where it's at so didn't really have that opportunity this week with a ton of games but uh I enjoyed it. I mean, as far as the games we had, there was definitely intriguing, especially outcomes of some of them. They weren't quite what we were expecting, but that's college football. Yeah, another early week where everyone has taken their expectations into the season, including us, and it's like you've watched one week, so you you know kind of gauge it, you know, reset a little bit, and now you've watched two weeks, and now it's you know everyone's getting a feel for how good is each team. And hopefully the playoff committee started watching because they're going to have a tough decision to make at the end of the season. And, uh, I mean, a couple of games we didn't pick this week that I wanted to mention. Notre Dame, like, that offense woke up after week one, 52 to nothing against USF. That was awesome. I mean, I think Ian Book heard us comparing him to Jake Fromm of last year and was like, nope, not today. So he went off. It was a good game as far as for, – good for Notre Dame. Um, but they're running the ball, they're throwing the ball. I do think that they still will struggle a little bit passing the ball when they play tougher opponents. Um, but if they're building continuity early, you know, it could have just been something where they're working out some kinks, almost like a preseason game against Duke last week. So – You know, I picked against them. I have a separate, you know, picks that I do outside of this. And I mentioned on the podcast I was going to be watching that game as one of my, you know, games to watch. I told, I said to the listeners I was going to take, you know, USF with the points because I didn't think Notre Dame was going to cover it. But um, I was wrong. I was very, um, very good showing from the Irish. I'll still stand by my Jake Fromm comparison. I mean, twelve of nineteen for one forty three isn't a isn't lights out. <laughs> that to me is some safe football, especially when you run the ball for two hundred eighty one yards. I mean, that yeah. is quite the showing from Notre Dame's rushing offense. I mean, you you Sebo uh, Flemester had one hundred twenty seven, Tyree had sixty five, Kyron Williams had sixty two. I mean, a great showing from Notre Dame's rushing attack and. Their defense is playing well enough where they can do this early on. Because I know that 
Notre Dame has some young receivers. You know, Ian Book lost his top three targets from last year. That's why we made the comparison to Jake Fromm. You know, this gives him some time to wake up. Um, I mean, schedule-wise, who does Notre Dame play next? Do you know the top of your head? (laughs) Uh, They got Wake Forest next. So, again, another game where you can do the same exact thing, like your defense is going to shut them down, go out there and, you know, make the offense get better. Then you got Florida State, which I think you can do the same thing to them if you're Notre Dame. Then you got Louisville. I think Louisville is your first test. You got a four-game block of Louisville, Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, and Clemson that's like – all right, buckle up. Time to get ready for Notre Dame for those four games. I think they'll they'll still run the ball on Louisville, you know, that kind of thing. But that's going to be one where they're going to have to keep up scoring because they'll just score back and forth. I think that'll be a high-scoring game between the two of them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another game that we didn't really mention, but Boston College and Duke. Duke was a six-point favorite. Boston College comes out and win 26-6. to I'll be honest, I didn't get a lot of eyes on that game, but – Really impressive start for the Jeff Halfley era at Boston College. I mean, I really would expect, would have expected Duke with Chase Bryce and that offense to kind of show Boston College up in their first game with the new head coach. But, I mean, blowout win for Jeff Halfley and the Eagles. Yeah, I, it was one of these where it was just surprising to, to see the score. And, you know, I would <clears> – <throat> flip over and be like, what, what is going on in this game? And it just didn't seem like, like Chase Bryce had a very good game. He was about 500 or 50% passing and, you know, 200 yards and a couple picks, you know, it's one of these kinds of games where it's just ugly. And like what you said, Boston college just kind of dominated the, the flow of the game and did their thing. Um, you would think that Duke having played a game would factor into Boston college, not playing a game. Maybe right. Duke would look a little more polished, but it was kind of the opposite. So, Definitely. Um, a game I wish we could have watched is definitely Army-BYU. We didn't mention that in the last podcast, but Army-BYU would have been a fun matchup. They got postponed. Um, I mean, Clemson looked like Clemson. Check that box. Move on. Right. <laughs> 49 up in a halftime, and they played like six quarterbacks. Like, they, the walk-ons got in, <laughs> to say right. the least. And they still pissed a shutout. Um, NC State-Wake Forest was a fun game late. I it mean, 45 fun game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was great. And I, I just kept thinking – I was thinking it was going to be an ugly game from the standpoint of both teams are going to be incompetent on offense, okay on defense. And it's just going to be like a struggle game back and forth. It's going to be ugly, dropping the ball, fumbling, that kind of thing. But, I mean, it was exciting. Offensively, both teams looked good. Probably just, you know, able to actually put their their offense together against another, you know, like talented team. So, um, I think it was good to kind of gauge those kinds of teams and say, hey, these are kind of on an equal playing field. Did you see who NC State's quarterback is? Bailey Hockman. Bailey Hockman. I'm like, dude, McKeesian kid. Where did he where did he start out? Wasn't he committed to Florida State? So he initially committed to Georgia. And then Jake Fromm, when Kirby Smart came to Georgia, because he was committed to Mark Richt. Um, and he his head coach was his dad. His dad is his head coach at right. McKeesian. Um, he was Mark Richt had recruited him. He had committed. And then when Kirby Smart took over, 
Um, Kirby had recruited Jake Fromm to Alabama. Obviously went after him. Jake Fromm commits and Bailey Hockman decommits and the rest is history as far as that goes. He ended up, yes, you're right. He did go to Florida State, uh, was there for a little bit, didn't see the field. I'm not sure if he graduated and transferred. I think he transferred last year to NC State. Yeah, he enrolled and then signed with NC State in 2017. Yeah, committed in 2018, signed 2018, enrolled 2019. So he enrolled in January of last year. Sorry, I was looking at his little timeline. Yeah. So he – yeah, he was there last year. I think he played in a couple games and then – this year, I mean, he's – I mean, his career's kind of been for, forgettable for the most part. You know, he hadn't right. really had – he really had, you know, a consistent showing or anything. But he's uh, he's talented. Uh, he's a left-hander. So, that kind of throws a wrench into things when you're a backup somewhere. If you're not the starter, just with how you have to position the plays and the offensive line, right. roll your coverage, all that kind of stuff. The ball spins a little different. It sounds silly to some people when you mention it because like what does it matter he throws it with the other arm but it matters a little bit you know when you especially in the NFL when you pay your left tackle so much to protect your blind side if that's your front side it's a little different anyways right well let's talk about the games we did pick and talk about in the last podcast and man you had you had a good week I had a bad week you went 500 the Baylor Houston game getting canceled kind of took a game out for us where we could have, you could have gone four and three, and I could have gone three and four. Um, but we lose that game. So just six games that we'll talk about that we picked. First one, and Daniel, you went three and three. I went two and four. I said that. Yeah. So good week. <laughs> Oklahoma yeah. State, man, this was the right side to be on. I stand by that. We had, you know, all aboard the Oklahoma State train. All three of us picked Oklahoma State to cover the 22 and a half point spread. Spencer Sanders goes down in the second drive of the game after driving down and scoring a touchdown on the first drive. Yeah. And Oklahoma State wins an ugly game 16-7. to I mean, thank God they had 11 defensive starters returning because that defense kept Tulsa in check the whole game, put them in a position to win. Uh, what were your thoughts on this, you know, the, the first noon kick of the game of the day? Yeah, that, uh, that defense, like you said, I mean, it made me feel confident in our, you know, admiration for Oklahoma State for the season overall and where we expect them to go. Now, obviously, Spencer Sanders, that was a big, big deal. Like you said, it was very efficient. They just zip, zip, zip right down the field. Chuba Hubbard was on a mission, especially early. Um, but, you know, it was one of those things where he kind of had to carry the team when uh, they they ended up using three quarterbacks. Um, they, they finally settled on, on a quarterback late, but it was – it was not, you know, pretty. Illingsworth um, ended up being kind of the guy late because he was able to push the ball downfield. Bullock, he kind of, I mean, he threw a pick, and the offense wasn't going anywhere. It was very stagnant while he was in the game. Um, you know, to some people they'd be like, "Oh, whatever, it's a struggle win." I know most people are thinking, you know, if they if they're, especially if you paid or bet the money line, anything like that, or you bet the uh, the spread. Excuse me, you're thinking. Really, their quarterback has to go down, you know, early like that. I mean, 16-7, to seven, it was kind of that ugly game that you're not, you know, inclined to watch, you know, the whole thing of. I was flipping back and forth, but, yeah, like you said, 
Oklahoma State shut down Tulsa's offense. So I felt good about that um, going going forward. But hopefully Spencer Sanders is, you know, able to return and, um, you know, kind of get this this offense rolling again. Yeah, as of in the time of recording, nothing out of it since Spencer Sanders yet. Um, oh, wait. Did he come back? Oh, he was coming off an injury last year. This article was like, comes back to lead Oklahoma State. And I'm like, what? No, no, he didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, still unknown about Spencer Sanders' injury. You know, hope the best for him. It was a lower extremity. And so, it, I mean, it looked like a leg, ankle. Um, I, you know, I couldn't tell how bad it was. He was able to walk off the field. Um, but there's, he could be done. We'll see. But bottom yeah. line is Oklahoma State has, if he you know if he's not done for the season, they've got really four games to like rely on this defense and figure something out because that fifth game is Texas and honestly that fourth game is Iowa State. So they get West Virginia, Kansas, and Baylor, which I think they can roll out that defense and the you know the playmakers they have on offense and win those games. But you get into the Iowa State Texas game, you're going to start running into real trouble if you don't have quarterback figured out. So. Right. It doesn't Especially at that worry point me. in the season. Right. It doesn't worry me about Oklahoma State yet, but I would be hammering Oklahoma State unders until Spencer Sanders gets back. <laughs> like, yeah. they can't score and that defense is playing well, under, under, under. So, lost for all of us in the picks, but I wouldn't change my pick. That was the right side to be on. Can't help a quarterback getting hurt. Uh, next game, Georgia State-Louisiana. Man, I was dead wrong on three of these games and dead right on two of them. So, I mean, we got the first three I was wrong on. We'll go in order. Louisiana, I was just – I don't know if it was an Iowa State hangover. I tried to not overthink this game by saying, you know, Iowa State is a lot better than Georgia State. Louisiana won by 17. But then as we were picking, something you said and brought up, I think played a major role. Like, they had two, you know, two special teams touchdowns in that game against Iowa State. And that's something I didn't factor in when I was picking it. You pick Georgia State. You know, Iowa State wins the game 34-31 in overtime. Georgia State comes out and gives them a serious scare. And I remember texting you and saying, the Big 12's in trouble at Georgia State wins this game because it's going to look real bad if, you know, it's one thing if Louisiana goes and wins out or has one loss and they beat Iowa State. Okay, that was a really good team. Louisiana comes out and loses to Georgia State in the second game. Right. Things don't look as good. I mean, what, you, what were your thoughts on the Raging Cajuns and the Panthers? So early on, I mean, it was all Georgia State, and they were kind of controlling the game early, especially with their run game. Destin Coates, I mean, he had 150 rushing yards and a touchdown. And then Quad Brown, he played great. Um, I, you know, considering it's his first college football game ever, and he's a true freshman, he – you know, threw the ball for almost 200 yards and a touchdown. And then and a touchdown. So, you know, definitely a dual threat guy. I think he's got a lot of upside. Um, you know, it's one of these games. Louisiana is the better team. There's not like a question in my mind. They've got better – I think they've got better coaching staff and I think they've got, you know, slightly better players. I don't think it's enough where they could overwhelm Georgia State. And I think Georgia State's – you know, 
they've got a good program for where they are. They're, you know, they're good, relevant to this, to where they are. So, you know, you've definitely got to bring it. And I think Georgia state knew that, you know, what they, what they could do against Louisiana and they, they ran the ball really well against them. So uh, it was fun to watch because especially when Louisiana started coming back, it was like, all right, they're trading scores. Louisiana takes the lead. Georgia state musters it back up and goes and scores and ties it. They go to overtime, you know, anytime a game goes to overtime, especially when you don't really have a dog in the fight um, other than trying to get a pick, right. It's, it's just awesome. That's what's so great about college, college football. Overtime is the most thrilling event you know I could it's the best I could watch two teams I don't care about go through overtime just because it's so dramatic especially when you get to the third overtime and they have to go for two I mean it's just fun it's pure like the college kids at that you know just what they care about in in that moment that's what it's about like in that moment all they care about is getting across the goal line you know and it's, and it's, it's fair. just awesome yeah it's, it's even it's fair uh, that's why college football is just going to be better than anything so this was a great game great you know it sucks that one team had to lose but you know Louisiana showed a lot of fight that's what was really impressive to me I'm watching this game thinking Georgia State has hit him in the mouth and continue to hit him in the mouth and control the game for a while Louisiana didn't give up and they just kept fighting and you know uh, kudos to them and the coaching staff for what they did but you know definitely brought some juice to that noon kick um, so oh, fun to watch there. And Louisiana, the schedule over the next few weeks is pretty difficult. I mean, you got Georgia Southern this week. You have App State the week following. Um, you got Coastal Carolina, which we'll see. But then you got UAB. So after that, the schedule gets easier. But I mean, Louisiana, if they want to assert themselves at the top of the Sun Belt, these next few weeks will be, you know, show up or show out. Um, and so, yeah, next game, I mean, it's a pit podcast. So, obviously, we picked Pitt to lay the 22 points. Kyle picked Syracuse. Syracuse covers. Pitt wins. Ugly game. Like, really ugly game. I just – I was so annoyed. I'm just like, just pound them. You're supposed to pound them, you know. But it is what it is. Syracuse, I mean – um, and then, I mean, none of their stats really look, you know, plastic as far as staying in the game. I mean, they got dominated by Pitt. Pitt just didn't punch it in. And, you know, they had, you know, turnovers. They had an interception and they had um, two fumbles, uh, three fumbles, excuse me. Um, so it's just, it is what it is. We don't, they only lost, I guess they only lost one fumble. Um but, you know, still a couple turnovers. That's always going to hurt you as far as, you know, covering. Um, I was hoping they'd, you know, punch a couple more in in the second half. But I think that they were content to just, you know, win this game comfortably and not put the ball in harm's way late. And so that's what they did. You know, they they scored a touchdown in each of the first three quarters. And then it just, you know, was zeros from there. Their defense did great work. Uh, well, I can't tell if it was great work or if Syracuse just is terrible, but um, could be a mix of both. It definitely is a mix of both. But, you know, Pitt, not going to disparage their name. I'm definitely going to be picking them going forward still for stuff because I think, I think they're a good team, especially this year, and they're going to beat Clemson this year. It's going to happen. So, you know, 
Uh, we picked it, um, so I'm sticking to it. I'll wave the banner, raise the flag, whatever we got to do. I'm, I might change that pick after watching Clemson the first couple of games. Yes. <laughs> but, well, I look, mean, Pitt doesn't run the triple option, so they're fine. That's true. Um, man, yeah, Pitt's defense looked really good, or Syracuse's offense looked really bad, or both, probably both. Um, but, I mean, yards per play, they held Syracuse at 2.4 yards per play. Uh, but Pitt's offense only averaged 4.1 yards per play, only 329 total yards in offense. The offense did not look like it did a week ago. And, yes, the level of opponent changed dramatically, even though it's just Syracuse. You know, you're you know, still an upgrade of an opponent. So this next week will be a big test for Pitt. You got Louisville, and Louisville coming off a heartbreaking loss. So maybe a motivating factor there that to avenge that loss, to show that, you know, they're still a really good football team. Um, yeah, I'll be really curious to watch Pitt this week against Louisville. I think that's a really even matchup. I haven't seen the early line for that game. Um, it's so fun. That's like two very common teams, like two teams that are very similar to each other as far as level playing field, two different kinds of coaches. But gosh, is that a fun coaching matchup? Like, Pitt's I'm just excited. Three and a half point favorite. So that seems about right at home. It, 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 yeah, that's so yeah. they're even. That's basically they're basically a pick them. Yeah, so I'll be a fun game to watch this week. You know, Syracuse covers. Chicago gets a pick, pick right on that one. Baylor versus Houston. We talked about didn't get to see it. Uh, that was poor Houston and Baylor. They've tried to they've tried to schedule. I think that was Baylor's like fourth opponent they had tried to play this year so far that had canceled. So maybe we'll Everybody finally see Baylor. To play Baylor. They're scared of the Bears. That's right, my Baylor Bears. Um, next game in the docket, and the last one that I was just super wrong about, App State and Marshall. I mean, to me, this game showed that, A, Louisiana is the best team in the Sun Belt, and Marshall can throw their hat in for the Conference USA in a race for the championship with with both um, UAB and Western Kentucky, that they're, they're on that tier with those two teams in the Conference USA. What are your thoughts on this on this game? Yeah, um, I mean, it was – obviously, it feels good to be right. Um, but I, I'll be honest, I was shocked that it was – early on, it seemed kind of like the game I anticipated. I thought there would be a little bit more scoring. Marshall really came to play defensively. Um, and they really made Appalachian State play their game. Like, Marshall played the game they wanted to play – and App State was kind of reactive the whole time, it seemed like. And they kept – seemed like they had to try to get something going, get something going. Um, you know, Zach Thomas had kind of a, a, a mediocre day. He didn't – you know, he just one touchdown and then one pick. They couldn't really, you know, run the ball super effectively. They're averaging less than three yards a carry. I'm talking about App State here. And, you know, they had uh, – I also lost the fumble. So a couple turnovers led to a few things. But Marshall, I mean, you know, Grant Wells, again, I mean, he he didn't have a spectacular day by any means. But just, you know, I guess giving them stability there. Um, but, I mean, he was only 11 of 25, so less than 500, you know, 160 yards and an interception. So the story of everything is Knox at running back. I mean – He's had a great year, you know, so far with over 200 yards on the year and two touchdowns. But in this game, you know, 138 yards um, and a touchdown. So that was big. 
Wells had some yards, you know, quarterback had some, had some yards uh, rushing as well. He had 43 yards. So that's kind of where they were. Um, I mean, a 10 point win. I did not expect it to be that. I really thought Marshall, if they won, it'd be close or that, you know, App State would win an ugly one, but kudos. I, to expect, I, I expected this game to be in the thirties. And I mean, the, story, the story of this game is definitely defenses. Neither quarterback played super well. Zach Thomas outplayed Grant Wells. But, I mean, you talk about the, the rushing game. Like, Marshall just outrushed um, App State. I mean, total yards rushing. App State had 96. Marshall had 216. So, Marshall's defense, story of the game, forced two turnovers. Um, I mean, ugly win. But, like you said, Marshall kind of suckered App State into playing – their style of football, and with a freshman quarterback, you can rely on your defense and, like, hey, just don't go screw this up. <laughs> he, he didn't screw it completely up, and he ran the ball pretty well, too, for Marshall. So, yeah, surprising for me, too, for the 10-point win for Marshall. Definitely expected it to be a little closer, and I expected Upstate to cover that four and a half. So, definitely wrong with that game. Um, but Marshall, excited to watch them moving forward the rest of the season. Uh, see if they can compete for that Conference USA championship. Uh, I mean, their schedule coming up, they got Rice, and then in two weeks, though, you got Western Kentucky, at Western Kentucky. So that'll be the yeah. litmus test to see where Marshall is in the Conference USA and if they can compete for that Conference USA championship. Uh, next game, in the last two, definitely the most fun games of the day and the most interesting games of the day. First one being Georgia Tech hosting UCF. UCF really – Puts the foot on the gas in the fourth quarter. Uh, really, really controlled the whole game. You know, I'll, I'll say I definitely felt like I got this one right. I only had two wins all week. So, I'll pat myself on the back for having my finger on the pulse for this one <laughs> But since I missed the other four. But what were your thoughts on Georgia Tech and UCF? Well, the way it started, I mean, it really seemed like Georgia Tech brought it. And it was that first – couple drives and it seemed, Hey, okay, Georgia tech's here to here to stay. And then this red zone turnovers, it's probably going to be a theme this year for Georgia tech or just turnovers in general. You've got a freshman quarterback, you've got a young team overall, you know, you know, production, like what we said early this season, production returns, but it's still young. And then even the ones who are older, it's still a second year of a rebuild. So, you know, there's things that can happen. Turnovers happen when you're thinking too much. Um, and, you know, there's been – there. Jeff Sims was, was kind of a turnover machine, but my goodness, if he doesn't have all the athletic ability to win games and put you in, in a place to win games, I mean, I'm sure Central Florida was nervous to start with, to start this game the way things shook out, but they knew they had a stud at Dylan Gabriel. He just kept chugging along. I mean, shoot 400 yards passing four touchdowns I mean he he was great um but something that surprised me I mean obviously Jordan Mason the starting running back was not available for tech for this game but Jameer Gibbs was there he returns that opening kickoff you know 75 yards 80 yards something like that sets them up with great field position he ends up scoring a rushing touchdown as well he definitely looked like you know uh, what you know? What he was billed to be as such a high recruit um, and the highest graded recruit that Georgia Tech's had since 2007. So you know, you take that into account. Um, I mean, definitely excited for him. He had 
you know, 15 carries, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Sims led the team in rushing again with 82 yards of his own and a touchdown. But, yeah, don't take the focus off of Central Florida. They had a fantastic game. Um, Anderson, Otis Anderson at running back, I mean, 88 yards and a touchdown, almost five yards a carry. I mean, they ran the ball efficiently in this game, and it was balanced. Dylan Gabriel, I mean, he looked fantastic. He was dropping dimes all over the field. So, uh, Tech tried to hang early, but the better team won this game. And I was definitely on the wrong end of it. I probably overreacted to Tech's first win. But, you know, my initial feeling in this game felt good. But then you saw the, the you know, the true color show with, with Central Florida. They're going to be a force in the American this year. Georgia Tech still had on offense 462 yards of offense. And, you know, of that passing yards, still had 244 passing yards. I mean, this, this offense is still light years ahead of where it should be. And I think, you know, UCF's defense, I don't know how many good offenses they're going to face in the, in the American. And they know the strength of their team is offense. So, I mean, Georgia Tech, like you said, Jeff Sims has the highest ceiling of any quarterback in the roster. And I'm always a fan of you go with the player who has the highest ceiling. And you you be okay when he makes the freshman mistakes because you know he's the only guy get you in a position to win games, but he might lose you a couple. Right. And in this game, yeah, he he, I think put them in a position to lose the game because of the red zone turnovers. Um, obviously, UCF pulled away late. You don't have those red zone turnovers. You're in a much better position to win the game. So, unfortunately, freshman mistakes cost him in this game. But you're playing a really good team in UCF. And I think UCF made a statement in this game that, hey, I know everyone's high on Cincinnati, including us, and Memphis, and SMU, and these other, you know, these other group of five teams and these other American teams, but, hey, we're, we're the group of five dynasty over here. And right. we're, we're, right. we're not going anywhere. Uh, the offense is still lighting up the scoreboard. And, I mean, Dylan Gabriel, the thing he does really, really well is his accuracy down the field. He pushes the ball down the field as good as, I mean, most – I see better than most quarterbacks in the country. And so right. here's my question to you. Like, where would you rank Dylan Gabriel of quarterbacks in the country? I mean, I in wouldn't put nation? him in front of – yeah, in the nation. So, like, I wouldn't put him in front of Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Keaton Slovis. I would put him up there. Brock Purdy, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yeah, right. Uh, um, I mean, where, where would you rank him? Well, you know, as far as – I mean, sky's the limit for him. Um, but, as, you know, what – you know, he probably falls in. I mean – is, is he easily a top ten quarterback? I, I think so. Um, I'm trying to think of, you know, because now that we're – let's we're adding all these teams in. I'm just kidding. But, like, if we're doing the full 130 um, – I mean, I think he's a, a top 10 quarterback. I don't see why that would be really even necessarily a hot take. I mean, right. it just depends. But he's he's probably been more consistent than other quarterbacks. I mean, he had a fantastic year last year, and his first game this year really doesn't miss a beat. And you know, I, mean, I think he's going to have a huge year again. So They had three receivers go for and they had one at 94, and then the other two at 105 and 154 for receiving yards. And – I mean, that really is what changed the game was those downfield passes where they're on their own 30, and next thing you know, they're in the red zone on one play where, you know, there's this seam or 
a receiver streaking down the sideline. I know Williams had a couple of those throws deep down the field, and the ball is just exactly where his receiver can get it and where the defender can't, even if they're in good positioning. So he is that as good as any quarterback in the country. The short throws are what he actually needs to work on is the accuracy, especially crossing routes in the middle. But, I mean, Dylan Gabriel is going to put UCF in a position to win a lot of games this year. And looking at their schedule, like, I don't see them losing more than one game. They play Memphis and Cincinnati this year. Uh, I don't see Houston as a threat at all. I mean, East Carolina, Tulsa, Memphis, Tulane, Houston, Temple, Cincinnati, South Florida. They're not losing more than one game. They're not going to lose to both Cincinnati and Memphis, not with this team. And so I think that they need that fourth quarter because if they're going to try to, you know, get into the argument for the playoff like they've wanted to for the last few years, uh, you need style points in the only power five team you play. And they definitely put that on the fourth quarter. Um, and last game we'll talk about, definitely the best game of the day and really entertaining. I felt like we learned a lot from the game. Louisville and Miami. Louisville opened up as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. By game time, Miami was actually a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So basically a pick em. It was, you know, which team is better. And we were all three on Miami. And I'll say Miami did not win for the reason that I said that they would win. But I'll talk about that in a second. What are your thoughts on this game? I walked away really impressed with Miami. Yeah. And, you know, Louisville just it kind of slow starting. Um, it just as far as points and stuff like this, um, you know, they only scored, you know, six first half points. So that's never ideal. Um, so it's 26 at halftime and then really pretty even the rest of the way as far as the scoring itself goes. Um, but you know, Miami comes out on top. Louisville controlled the clock severely because they were, you know, making an emphasis on running the ball. They, you know, 38, uh, 38 minutes for time of possession to Miami's 21. Miami's thrown the ball around a lot. I was very surprised to see that. There, As far as efficiency goes, though, I mean, both of them were pretty equal in rushing yards, but, you know, Louisville had more attempts. So Louisville ran the ball 50 times versus, you know, Miami ran it for 31 times. So Miami's averaging, you know, seven, 7.6 yards a carry versus Louisville 4.6. So that's very important there. That's like the biggest call out. That's why the possession arrow, you know, you know, time possession was so in Louisville's favor because they ran the ball so much, but Miami didn't have to run it as much because they were getting more on each run. And then passing yards was similar looking, but yards per pass, like the efficiency of Miami was super impressive. Yards per pass for Miami, 10.8. Yards per pass for Louisville, 7.6. I think that, you know, Malik Cunningham, and yes, we're getting that name right as of now because we (laughs) thought it was Mikhail. He used to go by Malik, then he went by Mikhail, and now he's – He's settled on Malik. So Malik Cunningham, it is the quarterback for Louisville. Um, he, I mean, he had a, a good game, 26 of 36, 307, three touchdowns and a pick. And then, you know, Hawkins at running back, he had a, you know, 100, uh, Javian Hawkins, he had 164 yards and a touchdown. So he had a good game. It's just, I mean, he just had better games. And Derek King, man, he's legit. Cameron Harris. At running back, I mean, followed up his first week at, you know, against UAB, having a good week. Had an even better week this week. I mean, 14 yards of carry. Unreal. You know what no one's talking about right now? 
uh, how bad Miami's offensive line is. You know why? Because it doesn't matter because of how their offense is performing. Like right. they brought in this system where their offensive line can be, and I don't think their offensive line has played bad. Let me start there. But their offensive line is not good. It's not great. They're playing mediocre. Right. But because of the offense, because of the system, because of the quarterback, they can hide behind a mediocre offensive line and put up 47 points, put up almost nine yards per play. I mean, this offense is explosive and king. I talked about it going to the game that, hey, they ran the ball, like, explosively, efficiently, like, ridiculously against UAB, and that travels. They ran the ball good. But, I mean, King goes from running the ball for – I mean, last week was what? He had, like, 100-something yards rushing, but this week he threw the ball for over 300 yards. Like, I mean – Unbelievable performance by Miami's offense. And defensively, honestly, they played really, really well early. That defensive line is exactly what we thought they'd be, even without Rousseau. Like, imagine this defensive line with Gregory Rousseau playing right now. They'd be next level good. It wouldn't and be fair. It wouldn't be right. fair. And, you know, they, they controlled the game in the first half. They, you know, it was 20 to 6 at halftime. And so, you know, and then in the second half, they just put the foot on the gas pedal. The defense didn't play as well the second half, but I think part of that is because Louisville's offense is going to be good this year. And I think it's going to be like, I mean, top quarter of the ACC really good this year. Louisville's a top 25 team for sure. And so Miami just put a beat down on a team that I think is still pretty good. And Malik Cunningham had a pretty good game. Like Louisville had a pretty good game. Miami is just better. And my overreaction from this game, just watching this team would be like, I would put – maybe this isn't even an overreaction, but I would definitely slot Miami right now ahead of North Carolina and the ACC. Like, I would I would go, like, Clemson, and I'd be tempted to say that Notre Dame and Miami, like, I don't know who I'd pick in that game right now. Like, I think they're – after the first two games, after watching both teams in the first two games, I'd be tempted to pick Miami to win that game. Yeah. I don't think that's crazy. I mean, this Miami like, team, it was – it was a very impressive performance, and I'm glad that we had this game to measure them at right. this point in the season because I did see these two as more peers than anything. And, Definitely, Me you too. know. And but this, I I don't think it was a poor showing by Louisville. I think Louisville still showed right. up in this game, and I expect Louisville to still have a really good season. Right. Uh, we'll see. We'll kind of. This is one of those to bookmark. Look at this game, and then you know, in a few weeks, look back at this game and say, "Hey, what do we know now?" that, you know, reveals, you know, that this game reveals to us now that we look back at it. So um, definitely interesting to see where these two teams might end up. But definitely, like we've, we've called it before, a litmus test uh, is definitely that for, for Miami and Louisville. Uh, and they both kind of gave us, you know, something good to measure them against going forward. In Miami this week, you know, now you got a primetime game against your rival and really their only rival in Florida State. Yeah. They've opened up as 10-point favorites. So, I mean, this game will be on our picks this week. I'm probably picking Miami. <laughs> I mean, 10 points. That and seems Mike Novell is team. out. The head coach yeah. for Florida State is COVID so, or tested positive for COVID. So. I wouldn't be surprised at all if this line moves like seven points by kickoff, like towards Miami. Yeah. Because, you know, without your head coach, watching Florida State Miami – Thus far, you would think that'd be an easy pick. And so maybe Florida State has a bounce back week this upcoming week, and that could be the overreaction is look how bad they were against Georgia Tech. You know, they circle the wagons and have a good week against Miami in a rivalry game. We'll see. 
but really impressive like Miami. Of, that mindset of you know with your without your head coach, are they going to rally because he's not there? Is you know, or is this something where they kind of flutter away? And like is Odell Hagens, who is who's defensive line coach, he filled in as interim coach last year. I haven't seen them announce who the interim coach is, but is he um, running it again? You know. And if so, I mean, that team rallied behind him last year. Is this kind of a rallying cry? Is it something that they're going to play harder and kind of, you know, raise above themselves? So that'll be something fun to dive into this week. And the schedule doesn't get any easier for Miami. I mean, they've got Florida State this week, followed by a bye week and then a trip at Clemson. So, I mean, here's the fun thing, though. We could have at Clemson in two weeks a 3-0 and Miami and a 4-0 and Clemson. That's fun. Oh, and yeah. then after, after Clemson, they got a game against Pittsburgh. So, some three really big games coming up for Miami, but they should be super proud of the start of the season. Two great showings by the offense and the defense. This team looks like Miami should, given the talent on the roster. And so, and I'll go out there and say, like, since I started watching football seriously, so probably around 2007 when I started watching football seriously – this is the best Miami has looked like that since I've been watching football. So I know it's been two games, but Miami fans should be excited and celebrating nonetheless to a great start of the season. Um, yeah, man, we'll have, we'll have seven more games to talk about on Thursday. There's more that we'd like to talk about. Man, the SEC is back and it just means more in the SEC. So this week feels like a real game week. We've got, a lot more of the ranked teams playing this week because there's a lot of ranked teams in the SEC. <laughs> so, and the fact that they're all SEC games, they, they all seem interesting. I mean, minus like the, uh, the first-year head coaches that are being fed to the Wolves in game one. But a few of those seem like interesting matchups, but I'll be excited to, uh, to talk about those here on Thursday. Uh, but, yeah, man, that'll do it for, for this edition of The Extra Point. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the extra point pod and you can find us on facebook at the extra point pod as well and there's links to the show there and to our twitter accounts on our pages as well so be sure to follow us there stay updated with our show and that'll do it for this edition of the extra point he's daniel i'm jacob see ya you